If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. And welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who is so excited to be kicking off our series of interviews. And I'm Vivada, the girl who is also excited. Like, technically, Shayna was our first interview of 2023, but this is the first interview we recorded in 2023, so I'm excited for that. The first of many. Mm-hmm. And if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. Today's episode is a special interview episode where we had the privilege of speaking with KB, a game designer and writer who's particularly motivated by the intersection of games and education. We've talked about this topic in interviews in the past, but it's no less relevant now. Games are an incredible tool for education. KB's specifically passionate about sex education, which you know is right up our alley. KB used to be a teacher, so her goal is to build learning environments where players are empowered, responsible, and empathetic. Her most recent project is called Valiant, a single-player narrative game about vaginismus. If you don't know what that is, you will by the end of this episode. All right, let's get into it. Excellent. Then we have everything we need to open the pod. We should probably let you introduce yourself. <laughs> so oh God, we have that in the very beginning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm I'm KB. I am a game designer. I'm a student right now at USC making making video games. And I love to make and play games that are about like relationships and sex and intimacy. I really like very like weird, strange little games too. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. What else do you want to know? I guess I should probably pull up the questions, huh? Oh my gosh, I'm getting nervous. No, oh. those are like generic questions that we always ask everybody. Oh, <laughs> but um, we we obviously tangent a ton because that's just the nature what is our thing T- tits tats turians and tangents that's like one yep. of our things that we say <laughs> <laughs> the main not game dev questions that we ask are like have you played dragon age or have you played mass effect 
That's what I wanted to tell you guys. Unfortunately, I have not played either of them, which I know makes me like, I know, I know. Not just a bad gamer, but like a bad game designer, because I'll tell you why. The games, I'm like a huge, as you can probably tell from my like whole setup, I was playing like a lot of Nintendo games growing up. And I was very much a closeted gamer. Like I never wanted anyone to know that I played or liked video games. So unfortunately, I never got to like talk about any other games with other people. Um, and so I feel like I missed out on a lot of like crucial, um, I don't know, game lore. I definitely tried playing Mass Effect when I was like 17 or 18. I think I was playing Mass Effect 2. Um, but I just like wasn't in the right I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for her. I, I had never played a shooter in my life. I like didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, can I cuss? Is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, <do>. yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I wanted to tell you that because I think one of the episodes I was listening to was um, about a romance that was in Mass Effect. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> All That's those. what us together. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Characters in Mass Effect. How long but, have you guys um, been doing this? since november 2021 oh sick yeah we met online we met through the mass effect laura cast we both were oh. patrons of that and we were, were on a patron chat and it was so funny because like the second both of our cameras went out, i was like another woman oh, yes <laughs> for so long i was the only woman on the patron chats for mass effect and then oh, jen showed up and we like instantly became friends because we both romanced garris and the rest is history <laughs> oh I'm that's really, our love story yeah very happy. but how, so how did your love story start like where how did you get into romance and video games because it is pretty niche it is um let's see well the first thing i can talk about is a thesis game that i worked on at usc with aubrey isaacman and i hope they listen to this episode <laughs> um that was a game that I was involved in making. So I'll start there and then I'll talk about games that I like to play. Um, Our First Kiss was that thesis game and Aubrey Heisigman was like the person making the game. And it was supposed to be this awesome festival alt controller game where you had like the players would wear these like big lips and they would sit on a sofa together. There'd be pressure sensors in the sofa um and your goal was like to do some form of pda like this like kiss essentially like um and it was really asking the player to think about like how far are you willing to go to display um public displays of affection i guess especially as a queer couple so it was kind of like a reflective piece um obs is really great at the alt controller like they love crafting all the things that were necessary for that game and it was really really cool um it was definitely the kind of like weird queer strange game that i was really interested in making um so that kind of like kicked off i was like okay i had just gotten to game design school from being a teacher actually and i was like what am i doing and then that first project that i was on really kick-started like game design for me um and like making games about intimacy and sex and romance and stuff um now i currently i am like four months away from the release candidate of my game which is called valiant or val's guide to having a broken badge 
And that was, um, <laughs> this is my thesis game now. So I'm in my last year of school. This is a game. It's a narrative game about vaginismus and generally sex, sexuality, sex education. So it's Val's story. So Val is a non-binary college student who is basically dealing with this thing called vaginismus. And I can talk about what that is, I guess. Um, yes, yes please. Because I know what it is, but I yeah. hope everyone yeah. listening knows. I'd love for as many people as possible to know what it is because pelvic pain is actually really, really common. Vaginismus is when the um, muscles in the pelvic floor region, so like your vagina, basically, like the muscles behind your vagina, like tense up uh, pretty uncontrollably. So when you're trying to put something in your vagina, so like a tampon or a dildo or penis or like anything, it becomes impossible or really, really painful. Now, this is a condition that is super, super common, but most people don't know that it has a name. And then there are other like pelvic pain issues uh, like vulvodynia and, and all kinds of things that there are all kinds of vagina problems, um, but we don't talk about vaginas enough. So we uh, don't tend to know like the, the names of those issues. I personally found that, is, so this is something that I have as well, vaginismus. And I found that when I finally was ready to start talking about it, like I knew what it was, I had a name for it. And I was like, hey, how does sex work for all of you guys? Because like, I, there's things we've been talking about since we were teenagers, but like, what's the, re what are you really, what's really happening here? I found that a lot of people have this issue as well. And so I knew I wanted to make my thesis game about uh, sex and sexual health and some kind of like educational, like I really, so again, I used to be a teacher, so I'm really into like making games that are educational in some way. And I was like, you know what? Let's make a game about my broken vet, which like is a joke. You're not broken. That looks broken, but this is, uh, you know, that was my, my joke going into thesis here. Yeah. So that's Vaginismus. My game is a single player browser based narrative game. So I kind of strayed away from the like educational side of it, whatever that even means. Like we can have a whole episode on like what is an educational game and like what's purpose does that serve anyway. But so it's a game. You can play it in your web browser um, and it deals with Val and Val's story of having vaginismus and like how they have relationships with other people, how they feel about those relationships, what they learn about their body through like their own experiences and then through what other people are saying um, about sex and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it'll be ready to play in May of this year. <laughs> Very so, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I learned about vaginismus back when I used to actually sell bedroom accessories and enhancements. Oh, yeah. So oh, I was oh. part of, yeah. It, so it was like, and it was really educational and informing. Like the whole point mm -hmm. of it was not just like a, let's go sell a whole bunch of vibrators. No, it was also like, let's te teach other people like the importance of lubricant, the, yes. you know, the safety of cleaning toys after you're done using them. Like there was this whole aspect to it. And part of it is that we sold stretcher kits, um, yeah. the, the dilators. And dilators, I was like, yeah, because when I first saw it in the catalog, I was like, that doesn't look like fun at all. What am I supposed to do with these things that basically look like test tubes? 
Don't even get me started. I used to call them medieval torture instruments because I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. Sorry to interrupt, but I will say, so my experience with dilators was like, what the fuck am I doing? Probably because again, I wasn't in the right headspace. I wasn't ready for it. I know that for so many other people, they have been like really actually helpful in their sex lives and just like their general well-being. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel you on that. I was like, what am I looking at? Are they Mm -hmm. used in conjunction with like a pelvic floor therapist or something? So I had my kid, I I learned about that job existing. I had no thought to that whatsoever Yes. until I had a kid. And luckily my pelvic floor is okay, but like I through classes and stuff, met women who have like horrible side effects of pushing a child through their vagina. Mm. And um, it was traumatic <laughs> to learn about that stuff. And I learned about vaginismus from the show Sex Education, like literally yeah. two or three years ago, I learned about that. Yes. I can't believe I went through my whole life. And they showed the dilator kit for, um, gosh, Lily. what was her name? The one character. Lily. Lily, yeah. yeah. I, love, I love Lily so much. She's so weird and amazing. <laughs> I I I loved her also because I love her because she's weird and amazing and gay, but also that it's like the first character with like well maybe not the first but one of the most prominent characters of yeah. Christmas on TV, you know, and was... and like she is someone who knows that they want to have sex and was out mm-hmm. to get some, like a woman openly wanting some, but not in like the stereotypically what Hollywood likes to do slutty way, you know. Yeah she was wearing overalls for you know yeah. like she was Ugh. not the normal type of character like that and i loved her so much can't that wait show... for the next season yeah oh my god i will watch that show as long as they keep making it i am obsessed with it actually i cited it as one of my like prior art references for my game because i was like it because of that awesome. sex education is the show that is educational without like trying to be you know what i mean people like just watch it because it's fun but then they end up learning a lot like you might learn about vaginismus or mm-hmm. you know whatever other it's almost like exactly how an educational game works <laughs> but i feel like people think this is some new future concept like oh games are just starting to move into being educational tools meanwhile me a 90s child like played math games yeah. on the pc yep. like they've been around forever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the job that i do in real life is an instructional systems designer for the government so they use like unreal engine to make game scenarios and stuff for like training the military how to work on an engine or do maintenance on an elevator or whatever you know like all sorts of things and i've it's everywhere yeah it's everywhere it's and i think it's i mean military aside but like just in general using games as an educational tool is probably the best idea anyone's ever had because (laughs) Even games that aren't meant to be educational, like even just like you were saying with the show, they still teach you stuff. I think th- this is like a little armchair theory I have for why I feel like everyone, for all the narrative designers that we've ever talked to, there's always like a couple things in common. One is usually they'll cite Mass Effect or Dragon Age as the reason they wanted to become a narrative designer. And the second thing is if they are queer or LGBT in any way, they say one of those two games was the first time they ever saw their relationship reflected in a video game and then now i feel like games is like the one spot where you can make lgbt relationships the main center point and it's totally it's just everywhere now and it's awesome it's not as prevalent in other media i feel like so there's There's, my soapbox (laughs) 
I no, I completely agree. And I wonder, I wonder why that is. I mean, maybe because if you have internet access, you can really, which is a hurdle in and of itself, like having internet access is one thing. But once you do have internet access for that, like section of privileged people, there's so many games that you can access like that aren't AAA or you can really, you can go on itch.io and find like anything you want, really. Not That's enough people know about itch.io yeah. outside of like game developers yeah. or people like that us who true. talk to them all the time. Because I never heard about it until we started talking to their designers. And I'm like, these are really fun and they're mostly free, like just there, you know? And I mean, I guess if you're not really into narrative stories, that might be not a draw for you. But otherwise, most people like the story. So yeah. play those games. They're really good. You're so right. It's not um super well known uh it's kind of i feel like it's one of the only if not the most like prominent um platform that indie like people if you're like one person making a game um on like bitsy or something like that's where you would upload your game um i guess there is steam but itch.io seems to be even more like it's more like like a diy than anything else i would say um but yeah, I, I wonder why that is too. I, there's a lot of games that I love that are really put queer relationships in the forefront. So one of the ones that I wanted to talk about on this episode was, um, have you heard of a game called Butterfly Soup by no. Brianna Lay? That is um, a really wonderful game. Uh, back in like 2016, 2017, I played it for the first time in 2017. Anyway. What it's a it's a like visual novel essentially um, about four queer Asian girls playing baseball. That's like the the tagline, um, and it is like so real. Like the way that each of the characters is written is like they have such a good chemistry together, and yet like I I can completely see these people like in real life. Like those are the best characters to me. Is like I. Um, I could like meet you in person and I know exactly what you're about. Um, the game, I guess, lets me see a little more insight into like what you like and what you want and need and, and all that good stuff. Um, it really struck a note for me because uh, it's set in like where I grew up, which is the Bay Area in like 2009. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, or I mean, they're they're coming of age. They're like teenagers in like 2009, 2010 ish um and it's like i feel like so much of the humor so much of the um like shit that happens to them is I, i'm like oh yeah i remember like i don't know going to safeway with my mom or something that's a scene in the game uh that game is so good uh i i just love it i highly recommend it um it's that's oh, that's i guess an example of what i was talking about with like one person making um like a very like quirky fun game that has incredible narrative design without being like uh it's not a triple a game at all i mean it was like one person's thesis project which i love i just think is so great um yeah endless praise for butterfly soup that's that's all i have to say from i mean from what we've learned so far talking to narrative designers because we've interviewed well, one for sure, a few that have worked at AAA studios and um, one that still does anyway. And 
there's just like so many more people who write even just one character and the amount of filters it has to go through at that kind of studio so it's kind of really cool to see just one person or maybe a small small team writing it's it's just i don't know it's it's if anything it's like all of it's talented but it's just special to to see like just one person doing it all by themselves and you're just like wow this person's so talented like it's hard to write well let alone design a game like i don't know how to do that i could try writing maybe but everything else i have no idea so hats off to anyone who does including you oh (laughs) but you can do it i mean if i could do it you can do it like i was a teacher like i said (laughs) and then i was like you know what i like video games i'm gonna try to go back to school that's so a common story too with other narrative designers we found is like they they were something else and then well the women anyway that we've talked to like they're all i, I feel like I'm, this is at least my personal experience it's like i kept telling myself oh i can't do it i'm, I'm running out of time or like i, I need to compromise and do this like I, I went and got like an hr degree and a mba because my husband was in the military and i was like i just need to be able to find a job wherever we go and then when I met Jen and we started doing this podcast, I was like, why, why do I have to like, you know, I could do whatever I want. And now I'm just focused on this podcast mainly because I feel like we kind of wormed our way into the games industry somehow. Yeah. We, we don't work in it really, but we, the people we're getting to talk to and stuff, I'm like, we have just, we have 200 followers on Twitter and we have no business getting noticed, but somehow it's happening and it's oh, very yeah. exciting. Talk to everybody, and then but then everyone just like you that we've talked to is so friendly and open, and they're all just fans. Like that's what I do love from everyone we've talked to. Anyway, I know the games industry at large may not reflect that reality across the board, but for what we can tell, everyone's just a gamer, and they're just a fan wanting to create what they love. I will say, I come. I think you're completely right that like. You look around, like I look around my cohort who I love. There's like so many talented people there from all kinds of disciplines. Cause it's true. Like writing is part of it, but then there are people who are artists. There are people who are programmers and like, you know, general design systems designers, for example, a lot of us, we, we almost all of us are like huge fans of something. Like we started out as fans. We like write fan fiction or make fan art. Like it's so true. Like, I mean, I think that's, people take the things that they love and they're like, I, I want to do that too. And so that motivated all of us to get (laughs) to school. Um, Yeah, completely. I really like that. Uh, And I struggled with that a little bit too, in the beginning, when we started the podcast of like, feeling like it was okay for me to own the space that I was in. Because it was like, Oh, yeah. I I am the obscene one. I do talk about straight I, I believe the words that I used just last week was like they are straight up fucking in this scene right here. No, but so for me it was like this really awkward space of like am am I secure enough in myself to be the horny one on the internet? Am I secure yeah. enough in myself to be out yeah. there talking very descriptively about what's going on in these romance scenes? Um, and it took a little bit for me to really hit my stride in that. And now that I'm here, it's like, no, I own this. If Patreon wants to list me as an adult content creator, then fuck it. I will own that. I'm an adult content creator. When I joined the (laughs) Disney. They were in the erotic Patreon group now. Yeah. Even though we're not 
adult content creators. We just create content say, for adults. Okay, okay, I, okay. Fuck yeah. yeah. Either way, yeah. I don't know. How Either way. Works, so no, well, they just but... because we talk about sex so much, they think we must be stripping or something, right. and so we have to be not searchable. Yeah. So people have to use the direct link to get to our Patreon. Because to save the children. Yeah. That's, that's what I was just about to say. So. Anyway, Jen, go on. Sorry. Oh, no. I mean, but now that I'm here and I kind of own the power of it, I'm like, bring it on. Even when you get the little trolls or whatever in the Discord, I'm like, Mm -hmm. you have no power here. That's right. I mean, the fact that they're in your Discord to begin with is like, all right. You know, like. Our Discord. Yeah. You know. That's right. Um, Um, I. I just want to say at the risk of sounding preachy, I honestly think it's so important for us to take up space, you know what I mean? And like really own it. It's hard. It is like, I was terrified of like, how am I going to talk to my fucking parents about how I'm making a game about vaginas? Like what, how do I even begin to do that? I was terrified of like talking to my cohort, like other people and my cohort, I mean, Interestingly enough, as far as gender demographics, we are like mostly non-cis men, actually. There's like a handful of cis men, but most of us aren't, which I think like USC was definitely like, we gotta, we gotta change the industry. And that was like, we have enough of them. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone knows, you know, so, you know, props to them for that. And I love my cohorts. I'm like, that's great. Anyway, even still, I was like, still very scared about how to discuss a game like this because we had never really talked about stuff like this in making games the past couple years um but i completely agree with you jen where it's like i now feel like how have i not been doing this like for the last few years i dude at this point i'm like fuck games i want to be like a sex educator at this point like i want to get my certificate and like you know because it's it feels very like I don't know how to describe it. It's like we we own it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think like more women should should. You do should that. listen to our Carrie Maguire episode if you <gasps> haven't, because I they, love her. Oh wait, yeah, we, oh, <laughs> we interviewed her. I totally. I can't believe. How did I miss that? When did you interview her? Uh, so that's funny. It's, I I, I should have known you would have known her. Yeah. No. We so we don't actually know each other in real life. We are also like met online, but we are both like. Carrie's an actual, she's like actually has her license in sex education and she's a game designer, oh, right? Yeah, um, episode so, 33. 33. I'm mm-hmm. totally gonna watch that. I'm <laughs> I so think we stoked. actually recorded that before she got her certificate officially or something, because we mm-hmm. we did talk about that. But um yeah, that's why when you were talking about like you want to be a sex educator, I immediately yeah. thought of Carrie because yes. she said the same thing when we were talking to her year early last year oh my god yeah june 2022 (laughs) that's that's incredible i'm i'm totally gonna listen to this uh we have very similar backgrounds actually i uh, i'm really happy that i like twitter met her you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. we our virtual circles combined she hosted um i kept talking about last year i was like still joking because i wasn't ready to like come to terms with like what i was about to do with my thesis I was always joking, I'm going to make a game about vaginas and people would be like, ha ha ha, oh my God, that's so crazy. But one of my friends, she's a year above me, her name is Abby Sherlock. And she, this is so, this is my Carrie story. She sent me a tweet by Carrie that was like, I'm going to make a game jam 
that's about periods. Like mm-hmm. we're going to, and you probably talked about it. Yeah. Yep. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to join this and like meet other people who want, who are interested in like making games about periods, vaginas, general, like vaginal health. Right. And it was sick. That's where I made my first prototype for Valiant, actually. So Carrie got to see it from like the very, very beginning. Oh my gosh, small um, world, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a niche, like sex education games, you know. I I think you're exactly right that games really do have a power, like any unlike any other medium to like do sex education, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is still a very niche world. Yeah. I wish these type of games would at least make a foray into even just the double A space, because I feel like they need to reach a wider audience. Like the things I would have given to have a game, like the Period Jam or Vaginismus game, anything like that, just to learn about my own anatomy, because the the ignorance I still have as a 31-year-old with a child, like, it's insane. You shouldn't feel bad about that because that is like almost a universal experience. Like we don't know, we don't know, for example, we don't know that much about the structure of the clitoris because we never study that. Not only do like average kids study the clitoris in school, because like as Americans, we think about that and we're like, there's no way we would ever do that. I'm talking like medical students don't Mm -hmm. even learn about the clitoris and like what it, you know, what does it look like? What does it do? Yeah. My mom is a nurse and she pointed out to me once, she was like, all the textbooks have like the standard anatomy is male anatomy that they show. It's not just like they're showing penises, but like when they're showing a torso, they're showing a male torso. I remember when I first saw what like the breast tissue looked like with like the, I think they're called the Montgomery glands because I breastfed for a year. And that was the first time I ever saw like what the inside of a breast looked like that was breastfeeding. And I was like, that is insane looking. I've never seen that before because they've never shown a female anatomy in a textbook. And I'm like, my child has a vagina. I want her to not find out things from freaking other people, men or in her class or porn. You know, yeah, I like find out from like legit people. sources mm-hmm. of educational materials. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were talking about like, you don't want your parent, like how would your parents know? And back in October, we had a, a panel that we did at the Portland retro game convention where we talked about like the history of romance and sex and video games. And it was recorded on YouTube. Like we can send you the link if you wanted to watch it. Yeah, I do. I sent it to my parents because at the beginning I was like, I was raised Catholic and shamey. So at first I was like, Oh, I don't know. But then I'm like, whatever, this is mine. I'm very proud of it. This is my passion doing this with Jen, you know, and my mom, she didn't watch it. She's busy, which is, typical my mom my dad did watch it though and then he called me and he's like i had to stop it at first like he 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 did not like you jen because you curse and talk about (laughs) sex very openly and that is my dad's like that's the catholic that yeah (laughs) that's the anti-catholic agenda yeah he was like like, i shut it off but then i had to turn it back on because i was like you know this is who she is now i just need to see who my daughter is and then he's like i was very happy to see that you didn't talk about the sex as much. And I'm like, who cares? Like that was, if I would have been like 17, that would have been my worst nightmare. Right. But now I'm like, what is your deal, bro? Like grow up. You're 60. You clearly have had sex. You have twin daughters, you know? So yeah. Anyway, I thought that was a funny story. I love that. And I I could totally. Oh, thank you. I love you. And (laughs) I, I have so many tangents to go off of that. But the first one that I will do 
is that like for coming over here tonight, I was hanging out with my mom. And then I was like, okay, I've got to go home so that way I can do this interview. And she's like, oh, who are you interviewing tonight? I was like, oh, they're really, really cool. They create uh, sex education games. And my mom was like, how to do it? And I was like, no, this one specifically is like, uh, I was like, it's vaginismus. And she's like, well, what's that? And I was like, well, it's a tightening where like some people have reported they can't even get a Q-tip in there. And she's like, that sounds horrible. Now, this is my mother with four kids who hasn't heard about this. And I was like, oh, like, thank you for putting stuff out there like this because it needs to be out there. I was just going to say, like, in the same vein as, like, you guys showing the pod to your parents, I'm also like, oh, my God, eventually my parents are going to play the game. And they're very chill. Like, they're they're very chill. Like, I've been able to talk about it with them. But, yeah, that that concept of. (laughs) <laughs> that playing my game about having bad sex is uh it'll be fun <laughs> i mean i feel like the only way it'll ever like people will ever not have to deal with this kind of feeling about it or shame or guilt or embarrassment is just do more of this so that it's normal something i'm really firm about with my kid is i i use the proper terminology for body parts because people very close to me have been molested and i don't want her to ever not know the right words for things and to know exactly what okay consent is and stuff like that. So yesterday, because she she's potty training, so she didn't like wipe properly. And she came up to me and she's like, mama, my vagina hurts. Mm. I'm like, okay, well, it's like vulva, but yeah. we'll get there eventually. Vagina's That's okay. really good though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really, really good. I mean, because you're the person that she is like learning. She can learn this these things from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say uh, my mom also did that for me. So, uh, you know, and I'm here. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I just That's think like, as a mom, it. yeah, thanks for, for doing that as well. Okay. Cause that is like a huge deal when it comes to child sexual assault and, you know, um, yeah. so that's, that's huge. So, yeah. She already knows what a period is, too, because that was something you talked about with Carrie. It was like, my experience when I first started a period is that something I don't want any other person who will have a period to experience. So it was like very shamey, came on all of a sudden, didn't know what was happening to me. Like, no, it's so it boggles my mind that it, anyone had those kinds of thoughts about it or like they couldn't even talk to their own kid. For me, like my my kid already knows about periods because like she'll just follow oh, me into the cool. bathroom. She's only three. But she'll be like, Mama, there's blood. I'm like, yeah, it's my period. You know, like. Yeah, that's it's what it is. going to happen to you someday. <laughs> you got a uterus. So like, have you normal. Did you get the American Girl doll? Uh, not dolls. The books, the ones that were like the care and keeping of you when you mm-hmm. were little. Mm-hmm. That that was the thing that I got. And to my mom's credit, she says that I because we talk about this all the time now. She's like, I wasn't. Uh, I was too shy to talk about it with her. Like she would always try to talk to me about periods and sex and stuff. Um, but she gave me those books and like that. And she gave me one about masturbation too, which was called It's Perfectly Normal, I think. Um, mm. But it seems like you and your daughter have like a better, like she's more willing to like ask questions and stuff like we'll that. We'll see. So. Maybe she'll be like, ew, don't talk to me, mom. Like in a <laughs> <Yeah>. couple years. <laughs> and so I'm going to have to revert to those books. <laughs> but the, they are helpful. And there's so many good ones these days. People are 
doing the work in like writing I'll those. Just, I'll probably just give her a game, honestly. Like yeah. one of your games, or Carrie's oh, games. Yeah. She's already playing like a mobile game called Meow Meow Star Acres because my husband and I are both gamers. She's yes. she's gonna follow right in our footsteps. And mm-hmm. I don't yep. think there's anything wrong with playing games as a kid. I did. She's gonna learn. It's great. She's gonna learn a lot. Like yeah. I here can I get on my soapbox about educational games now? Oh, so yes, please. my thing is <laughs> my thing is we we do learn stuff when playing games. Sometimes we just learn like how to win at that game specifically. So like within the game system. But there are oftentimes kids learn like I remember I played, I was a fierce Pokemon player growing up. And um Pokemon Ruby, the third generation, Ruby and Sapphire, is where they started introducing natures. So, like, I don't know if you know this, like, Pokemon have their, like, yeah, they're, they're um, adamant, or they're quirky, or they're hasty, or whatever. And so I was, like, I think nine or ten when that generation came out. And I remember, like, that's how I learned vocab, was, like, through playing Pokemon and trying to figure out, like, what is the, what are these, um, natures mean um just weird things like that like games teach us stuff uh without even trying to i think and so you have a a huge genre of games these days which are like trying really hard to be educational and like not to use the word preachy but like kind of preachy you know because they're 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 made by adults thinking like this is what kids this is how the kids are going to learn this is what they want um and and those games don't often they're not often as successful um because you know like kids play games for a myriad of reasons and like they're gonna learn in like the weirdest ways they're gonna learn the weirdest things in the weirdest ways and i don't claim to be an expert on like this is how we should make the right educational game because this is what kids want but i know that um a lot of times quote-unquote educational games made by adults it's like uh I don't know. It's not always as successful um, as as we think it is, but we're getting there. We're still working on it. Um, kids are gonna learn. Your daughter is gonna learn from that mobile game, Meow Meow. What is it called? <laughs> meow Meow Star Acres. She meow already meow knows. Like, I mean, if anything, the only thing she's learning right now is vocabulary because right. she'll be like, "Oh, what's this?" I'm like, "A coconut tree or a pickaxe or what? Yeah. You know, like that's corn. I don't know, like." she's seeing it's a cartoon looking thing yeah. and it's cats farming it's adorable <laughs> but like Aww. she's having fun and she learns and even her teachers because she's in preschool they told us told me this morning she's like her vocabulary is really like blown up in the last week or two and I'm like See? meow meow star acres exactly because <laughs> she's engaged she like loves the game and so she's gonna care about things that she doesn't know yeah anyway that's my soapbox <laughs> which is awesome i think that's great yeah, I'm 1000% with you. I if I could only learn through games, I probably would. Yes. Even like when you were talking about the thing like you learned from vocabulary from Pokemon, I remembered distinctly this memory of like the first Animal Crossing for GameCube that I played and like the KK Slider songs. There was one called KK Dirge. I think it's probably still in the newest Animal Crossing. I was like, what's a dirge? So I asked my mom and she's like, it's a song they played during a funeral, like when you're processing to the grave or whatever. There you go. Learned a new word today from a video game. And it wasn't even trying to teach me anything. I also learned that cicadas are in summertime in Japan because 
you had to catch them all the time in Animal Crossing. And like, what the heck is this? And then found out that's what summertime sounds like in Japan. And because I'm a California girl, I didn't know, but I learned something. I don't know. I think it's also really good for that kind of thing, too, culturally. Cultural learning. Yeah, exactly. mm -hmm. Games that come from else. I mean, most of the games that we have that are foreign when I was growing up were from Japan because they're just the biggest game producer at the time. But still, there's valuable things in anime. Yeah. And anime games. <laughs> <laughs> the quote of the night. There's valuable things in anime. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the anime. <laughs> I, I know. I agree. I think I obviously am a huge. Inuyasha taught me a lot about the feudal era. The Warring yeah. States era. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Naruto taught me that sexy jutsu is definitely something I wish I could learn. Yes, exactly. I haven't even seen Naruto and I like what I saw that scene because my friend was like trying to get me to watch it. I was like, is this is this real? Like, is this happening right now? (laughs) But um, it did. It was real. It did happen. And it's a real form of jutsu. So we we can learn things from anime. So See, I was gonna what else did I talk about? Oh yeah, ask ask me more questions. <laughs> I was just gonna ask, like, because you, I assume, because this is your thesis game, that do you do like the art and the writing and all of the design aspects of it by yourself? Yeah, that's that's a great question because no, I don't. Um, I will say, uh, earlier I was talking about Brianna Lay and Butterfly Soup. It's very possible that she actually did have a couple people working on the game with her. Um, uh, I know that she wrote, I'm pretty sure she wrote the whole thing. I don't know anything. Don't actually quote me on any of that. But we'll uh, fact check. <laughs> yeah, fact check that because I. it's common for thesis projects to have teams of people. But it's also like very, it, it's very possible that someone could make a thesis game on their own. Like, so, you know, it could, it really could go either way. I'm pretty sure Brianna had like, just a couple people working on her game. It was like mostly her. She did the art, she did the writing um, and the programming in Ren P, which is a like a visual novel um, an engine that's commonly used for visual novels. Now, my game is definitely not just me. I had the idea basically, but I have a brilliant and I'm talking like amazing team of people who are helping me like bring it to life. So I, I'm not an artist, a visual artist. Um, but I have an art team of about like five people and I have a composer, a sound designer, a fellow writer, and a team of now a huge engineering team. It's like five people as well. So that's like a pretty big, that's a decently sized team. Um, so there's definitely like, like the producer too, though. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That I see that as primarily like, that's what I do is I, you know, this was my idea for thesis what do you guys think? Let's bring it to life. Um, and I'm lucky that everyone has decided to stay on, you know, but yeah, my job is basically to like, give like, here's what I was thinking. What do you, how do you feel about this? Um, and then basically like set deadlines and be like, Hey, we need this in by this certain point. Just today I was actually, we use Miro for, um, have you ever used Miro before? Yeah. Like the online whiteboard thing. No, I haven't used it, but I know of it. It's just something similar. It's kind of any like online whiteboard, you can just like draw whatever you Mm -hmm. want on it and stuff like that. So today I was updating that, trying to be like, okay, what does each of these scenes look like? And I wish I could show you my storyboards, quote unquote storyboards, because it's literally like a circle, a square and another circle. 
And then my art team comes and they're like, okay, I got you. And then they make this like incredible thing out of it. Um, I expect you to say stick figures or something. <laughs> no. Oh my God. I mean, I, I'm the one who makes the stick figures. They, no, that's what I mean. They, um, yeah, no, they're incredible. Like the, the, the game itself right now, it's about halfway done. And you can see like their, their work is just like so good. Um, I talk about my team for for hours but yeah i don't work alone i am really grateful to have like such a big team and i love being the producer of said big team it's it's really fun that was the the role in the games industry that i wanted to be I a producer mm-hmm. yeah i got my scrum can, certificate girl. just waiting to move this year and then i'm gonna start applying places yes you absolutely love, should look to manage listen, that shit <laughs> Managing is so important. It's a skill that people think isn't important, but it really is. Like, I, th- I think most people, when they think of like making games, they're like, oh, you have to code, you have to like program. And that is part of it. Like, I do that on my game as well. Um, but production skills are really necessary. Like, for some people, it's really easy to keep their schedules in check and like have deadlines and stuff. And for some people, it's really hard. So they, you know, need that help. Um, I say you should do it. I 100% think you should. Writer, producer. I love to. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I definitely. I don't I don't know if the ship has sailed for me to ever write anything like for a game, but I definitely write all our scripts <laughs> for this podcast. Because normally our episodes are scripted aside from interviews, but. Oh, OK. And it's, it's a fun time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So you do so, interviews and just like regular like what do you talk about? What are the scripts? The scripts are when we're analyzing a specific character and their romance in a game. So like each, we either have an interview episode come out, um, which last year we got so many interviews in the beginning of the year. And so we started releasing one every like six weeks. And then once a month, we have a patron chat too, for all the people at the certain tier on our patron, we, they vote on a topic and then we talk about whatever they want, basically. And then the character analysis episodes are like the one we just did was Liara from Mass Effect 3. And before that, it was Nate and Elena from Uncharted 1, 2, 3, and 4, where we just like analyze their character types with their tropes and their character arcs and how they interact with each other. She analyzes the sex scene if there is one. Um, Sometimes they're really good and sometimes they're really bad. Yeah, (laughs) I bet. Non-existent. I bet. Basically, the older games are usually where it gets kind of bad. The newer games tend to be, at least so far, tend to be pretty good. They're getting better. Sex scenes. Yeah. I've heard, isn't, doesn't Mass Effect, one of the Mass Effect games has like a really famous sex scene, right? I'm sure you could talk so much about that, but I... I... <laughs> well, they're all two, pretty well, famous. One, two, and three have sex scenes, actually in Andromeda. So all four of the existing Mass Effect games have sex scenes in them for most of the romanceable characters. Our boy that we love did not get one because I guess Bioware thought it was too risque to have a human and what's basically a velociraptor having sex together. Let the monsters fuck. (laughs) Yes, I know. Monster fuckers unite. Monster fuckers unite. (laughs) We made the joke that that's like our kink that we discovered through Mass Effect because of that. But I think games can help your sexuality is they help you discover kinks. Yes. That was literally what I was going to say is like, not only is it just like educational for education's sake, Mm -hmm. but like accidentally, like we were talking about, especially when it comes to romance and sexuality, like how many people literally had their sexual awakening because of Liara's sex scene in Mass Effect or something, you know? Oh my God, I didn't know 
that I liked women or that I liked men or that I liked both or neither. Like, who knows? That alone is so valuable. And not even like a like a sexual, like who am I sexually attracted to, but like a what am I possibly into? Because I know somebody who was like, I didn't know that I might want to try out this level of kink until they met Iron Bull and he shoves you up against the wall. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's so real. Um, And I think that's great. Like, that's that's the power of video games. (laughs) I think I'm trying to think of like sex scenes that I've seen in games, which is so funny given that like what I like I as a sex scene in my own game, it's very abstract. And I'm coming up short. I'm like, shit, I, I feel like all the games that I put uh, well, Nintendo is not gonna show any sex scenes. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> well, I played Lady Killer in a bind, so I've that... heard about this game. Yeah. Play I Did you I say play, play it, it, Jen? Lady Killer in a Bind? I did not, because there were some things that mm, kind of weirded me out in the description that was like, I need to figure this game out first before I play it. I was just going to say, it's worth reading the reviews before you play it, I would say. There's a really valid critique of the teacher character, who's like the only person of color in an otherwise all-white cast. And the teacher character is often like put in positions of like submission, and like it's very, that's really icky. Um... Worth reading the reviews about. Um, it is, though, a very, like, I don't know, sex-positive, kink-positive game. Um, oh, okay. Because, yeah. like, the description of the game was, my brother forced me, my sister forced me into drag, and now yeah. all these women are hitting on me, and I don't that want too. it. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound, like, good. It's, it is definitely, like, it, that's exactly what it is. It's like, you're a twin sister who is very butch and you dress in drag basically to pretend to be you're the prince is the character um and then you just like have sex with a lot of people on a teenage on a on a boat (laughs) on a teenage boat they i can't remember if they are teenagers or not and i think yeah that was another thing that it was set in high school times and i'm like I'm 36. I don't need exactly. to be playing a 16 year old mm-hmm. having sex anymore. Like that's yeah. that's not me. I I could be completely wrong about this. So this is another area for fact checking. I think this they the person who made the game did the thing where they like aged everyone up and was like we're in high school but we're all like 25 or something. Um, I could be totally wrong about that. But I think I remember looking at the character descriptions and there was only one that was like. 17 or something but still very young i mean like yeah. even 18 to 21 is like yeah no i think maybe i don't know if it's sex positive and helps somebody that's probably yeah. good maybe it's not for us that's that's something i learned when we totally. did our our panel was like there was quite a few very controversial games that came out of japan in like the early 2000s mm. that were they had like rape fantasies and stuff mm-hmm. like that in them and Japan ended up making a law that they weren't going to export those games anymore because they're like the international market doesn't understand. These are just domestic market games. And while I have feelings about that, I'm also kind of I can acknowledge that like maybe not all games are for everyone, but I personally did not like those games. But I'm coming from my culture, you know, I don't know. I also perhaps this is my own bias speaking, but I, I just can't see how rape fantasies can be like sexually exciting to people but i mean 
there's a lot kink goes very deep and mm-hmm. i admittedly like i'm not very i'm not like 100 percent educated in like all matters of kink so that's just like my immediate thought either my we took me and jen took the bdsm quiz oh yeah and we are literally exactly opposite extremely <laughs> vanilla <laughs> she is not so and we always joke yeah. that like we are the exact opposite in all ways except the ways that matter perfect partners for this sort of that's thing awesome. i love that so much <laughs> yeah but anyway that's why i'm like i i don't pretend to understand kinks because i'm not kinky so mm-hmm. i'm not going to judge anyone that the games i'm thinking of i definitely will judge because they don't they they went farther than kink one of them was like a man who was already like arrested as a sexual predator and like rapes and kills a mom and her two daughters like that to me is beyond fantasy yeah. that's just disturbing yeah like if it's different when you're consenting with a partner it'd be like oh just tie me up and pretend i don't want it like yeah. i could maybe see why you would want to do that with someone you really trust but that game was insane and i'm glad it's banned in yeah. a lot of countries but i just don't understand that but my whole point about that was one of the articles i was reading that was discussing it was just saying like maybe not all games are for everyone and Mm -hmm. you know just like i guess maybe lady killer in a bind is not for 30 year old mothers (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i i think you're totally right just like any piece of media like there's books movies uh whatever that you know don't tickle our fancy you know so that's i i think that's completely accurate to say like sometimes sometimes you don't like something and sometimes you think okay maybe this isn't even made for me this is not like i'm not the audience of this piece of art mm-hmm. and that's that's fine maybe one of In these my- days i'll sit down and do- record a solo bonus episode like going through the entire kink list and just just yes. them all um yeah. your yes no maybe checklist well okay. i mean well, putting that, that that's different <laughs> No, I go down the list and explain what the kink is. Yeah, I had mm-hmm. to, when we took the quiz and the results, I had to ask her for a couple of them because I'm so. I just like I don't know what this is. I feel like a child half the time. But that's why we need education, and that's why I'm like that's what we loved about Iron Bowl is because he was at le- at least in my mind the first openly like BDSM healthy BDSM relationship in a mm-hmm. AAA game. They had a safe word. Everything was consensual. They they did depict some of it. I mean, if you haven't played the game, you might as well watch the romance. Like, I, I, this is what I do because I, I don't have the time to like create characters and play through and romance each person once to see. I, I just look up the videos on YouTube. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so they're they're good. Um, oh, Cyberpunk yeah. twenty seventy seven is another one that their sex scenes are pretty good. Like oh. one of them's almost too good. It's like voyeuristic a little bit interesting but that's fair yeah they at least got lesbian sex right unlike mass effect we literally just oh talked about this. really mm-hmm. yeah. oh no dare i ask how does the lesbian sex scenes work in mass effect oh like, okay they <laughs> just put the female body in the male body's like animations so they just replaced her okay. so it looks like she's like thrusting into liara this is what we just so it literally doesn't make any anatomical sense you're like you wouldn't have she's not wearing a strap off she's just like nope you can't see straps so you know it i when we watched it we both were like this feels so fake like yeah you didn't even put the effort into to just animate it differently they did with another character 
a male character, so they animated the female shepherd, the name of your character is Shepherd. Yeah. So female shepherd sex and male shepherd sex with that male character are two different animations and like sequences, but not with Liara, who's like everyone's favorite, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Everyone loves she's the blue alien one. Yes, so, I, I do know I've, yeah. I've seen this. So, and it was a bummer because that, that scene was gorgeous and it made a lot of sense and it was great for male shepherd. But the second you see female shepherd like moving the way male shepherd would right. as if she had a penis or a strap on, but you can't see any straps, you're just like, I don't believe this. This yeah. took me out of the moment, you know? Well, yeah, totally. I mean, literally, you freeze the frame and all four hands are visible. It's like, I'm sorry, that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't really check out. Um, but I'm glad you guys covered that. So you did an episode about it? Mm -hmm. That was <laughs> it the one that up. just came out on Monday. Okay, fuck yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's how in-depth we get. <laughs> that's For... great. Yeah. I don't know. I mean again not to get on my soapbox but we we live in a society no like we we live in <laughs> we live in a very like repressed society i would say you know like as a christian like puritanical like our the history of our the roots of our society is like puritanical christian you know talking about sex has not come easy for americans i would say but then ex how do i say this Except in the, like, most, like, gross and, like, male-dominated ways, I feel like. Um, so I'm glad that you are getting in deep, no pun intended, with the Mass Effect sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, too, like, how do you write and and as the producer of your game, like, what makes it possible for you when you're writing these scenes, not even just, like, sex scenes, but also... The relationship part of it like building up a believable yeah. relationship how do you craft it with the music and the visuals what do you look for what do you try to accomplish that is such a good question and so perfectly timed because i literally just today spent the day thinking about like how is this going to work like what so the the answer that i have right now is like not a complete one but because i'm still working on it but the the start to it is to like build the characters first. So like I had to really flesh out who Val is, who Ash is, who's their partner, and what things they like and dislike. What do they like to eat? What's their history? What's the relationship to their parents? Like how? What's their sexual history? You know, like Val's feelings on sex and relationships are totally different from Ash's feeling on sex and really. I I made like a whole character bible of like things about them, things that have happened to them, how they got to be where they are today. Like why is in the, in my game, Ash is um, a teacher's assistant because she's in grad school. How did she get to grad school? Like why does she care so much about birds and shit? Um, Cause that's the, the, the way they meet is they, uh, Val has to take a class called ornithology 101 to graduate. Like it's just like a general science thing. Um, and Ash is the TA. So anyway, stuff like that, just like really like minute details, like things you wouldn't even think of, or I didn't even think of until people kept asking me like, you know, like what you, you want people to ask you, like, what's the story in so many different ways. So that's how I started. And then my 
Frankie is my writer, my fellow writer, because we write it together. Uh, we, when we have meetings, we just talk about like, okay, how would these two characters interact with each other? Like in a hypothetical situation, like what would they do? Um, who, what would Val say? What would Ash say? And once you kind of have that down, sometimes the writing comes easily sometimes, um, where, you know, like I had to start thinking about like, what are Val and Ash like what are their dates going to look like what are they saying on their dates how do i write this romance you know how are they becoming closer and you know in typical lesbian fashion they just immediately go for it and are like talking about trauma and parents on like the first date and so, they move in together after two weeks <laughs> yeah yeah like it's you know that's gonna happen um one of the scenes in my game shows like those dates that they go on like what they're talking about they get into really deep conversation and then the next scene in the game is them having sex and the way that i represented sex anyway is not realistic it's very abstract so in my game i have a lot of scenes that like uh in the first half of the game something will happen so val has sex with her ex-boyfriend who it's like a really bad time and the sex is represented by this like rhythm mini game that you have to play. So that comes back when Val has sex again with Ash. It's another rhythm game, but it's different. It's like the mechanics are kind of like weird. Like in this time, there's no like sheet to follow. It's actually more like creative. You get to like do, if, to some extent, you get to do what you want to do. The player can like just like press a couple buttons and make some music. So it was meant to be abstract like that. I wasn't trying to show like very realistic uh, lesbian sex in my game. But what I really wanted to get across was the importance of communication in sex. You know, like, because we are a sex illiterate society, we never even learn like, you're supposed to like say stuff when you're having sex with someone. If something doesn't feel good, if something feels good, if you want them to do something else, you want to change positions, you want to like, use i don't know like whatever like you are supposed to communicate and i feel like in uh the limited education that we get including even like the media that we see at least that i did growing up it was basically just like a couple thrusts and then like that's it like that's what sex is and that's horrible that's like boring bad sex <laughs> so i really wanted this scene to be about ash and val's communication between each other because there are times where like val's like that i don't want to do that like that doesn't feel good there are times where val is like please go faster like that feels great or something like that so now the question of like how to make it sexy is a totally different i'm like going off my fanfic history with this man like i that's the best sex education i ever got was from fanfic and i will take that to my grave um because it was entertaining but also educational which i guess is, relates to what we we're talking about with with games earlier like it's hot it's steamy but it's also like oh like that's how that works or oh that's what that means and that's what you're supposed to do so this is like 15 year old me <laughs> still a virgin being like whoa yep that's what that, that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah i was never really into um porn until like about college and I, to say that i'm into porn is like still i don't think i found the right porn to watch but fanfic like written porn i guess 
Hell yeah. Yeah, so, I live on the Amazon romance books. Yeah. Like, I've been on Kindle Unlimited and there's so many that are free on there. And I'm just like, that's what okay. I read every night. I'm just like, yeah. it's so nice. I wish I had those when I was, actually now kids do. Because one they of the do. best ones I've ever read was by S.J. Moss, Sarah J. Moss, the Court of Thorns and Roses and then the Throne of Glass series. And those are oh, rated young that. adult. Yeah. And like when I was a kid, young adult was like Anna Green Gables and stuff, yeah. you know, <laughs> not this. Young adult is dark and steamy now. Yes, um, it is. Mm-hmm. But it's at least from what I've read, um, all of it is very consensual. And anything that depicts yes. anything that's like dubious consent or anything, they will have very strict disclaimers in the beginning and outline it like this is what, if you're going to be triggered by this, here's where it happens. Here's the scenes. Please don't read it. If otherwise, you know, like. I think they do a really good job of that now and maybe games will move into that too because i haven't really seen big games anyway have any kind of disclaimer yeah, before like any anything warnings. outside of right. a rating like the esrb it's, it's oh. still a very male-dominated industry yeah. anyway jen go on um when you load up boyfriend dungeon for the first time it goes through all the content and trigger warnings that um, could be in there. And they're like, if you don't like this, don't romance this person because Mm -hmm. it's not how it's. That was the other thing I thought of and then forgot to say was that like, not only is it all these things we've talked about, but it's also like, and we've said this before on our show, but it's a safe way to experience things. Mm -hmm. And then if you're like, Oh, I don't like that. never mind, You can just reload the save or restart. And it's fine. And that you can learn without having to go through actual real life trauma, mm-hmm. you know, like all of us probably did, or at least all my friends and myself included my first boyfriend. Oh, the worst. I wish yep. I had a game to have taught me what to look for and yeah. not to fall for things, you know, yeah. as a young, poor doormat me, you know, it's really unfortunate because that's like you said, that's not a unique experience unfortunately like we all i also have my own like story my first boyfriend you know be i relate to like being a doormat yep <laughs> all of that how women are socialized in our society you know but also like i i really think sex education has to do with it you know like it again getting on my soapbox but like gender equality is like part of comprehensive sex education period full stop uh, you know, like it is, I've been reading, so there's this book called Pleasure Activism by um, Adrian Marie Brown. And that is like the thesis of like the whole book is like people with vaginas deserve pleasure. And that is in, that is inherently part of like, if we're trying to teach like a good sex education, that should be the core tenet of it. And yeah, I forgot why I was like going off about this, but that is, it's, it's so important. It's like, you know, there's a lot of things that need to change about how we teach people to be people, I guess. Um, and video games are part of that. It's like any media is part of that, you know, like how do we honestly, authentically represent people on in our media, I guess. So. I think we're doing a better job now because when I'm thinking back to growing up, especially my like high school years of the early 2000s and stuff like they're just lgbt people queer people just didn't exist yeah unless they were the like flamboyant happy gay best friend you know Mm -hmm. and then women's relationships were always like the submissive one meek one doormat 
Mm -hmm. um with the occasional like spicy latina stereotype Mm -hmm. and that was it you know like now we at least have diverse people like that we have in real life and it's just reflected in our media which is really really awesome and gosh i had another thought too and i just keep losing them i have adhd (laughs) (laughs) we we have all these we have so much to say you know there is so much to say about this about these issues so I think that it would be great to continue the conversation after your game comes out in May. Love to have you back on the show. Oh my gosh. I would love to come back. Yes, please. Oh my gosh. And I'll listen to those episodes that um, I, I'm going to oh, watch. Yes. The listen to the one with Carrie and I'm going to listen to the one that you guys talked about. Liara is her name. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Mass Effect 3 Liara. There's some really, really great relationships in AAA games. Like we just talked about uncharted i don't know if you've ever played those or I seen it yet i highly recommend playing them just because i, I mean obsessed with them. yeah naughty dog knows how to tell a story and like yes, you know i don't know if you're watching the last of us show i 100 percent am and you know what's yeah. funny is i didn't even play last of us see this is how bad i am as a <laughs> like all of these like classic classic games no i also it's just kind of, maybe watch a let's play if you don't like killing zombies because it i'm like not a horror game person and it's not very scary second one's a lot scarier than the first one i I did still play it but it it got my adrenaline up sometimes let me tell you but like neil Druckmann, the director for naughty dog um he did chart four and then both last of us and he did this interview for the show and he was like if everyone thinks it's a story about zombies but it's not it's a story about relationships between oh, yeah. people yes. and that is like the best way to describe it because it's exactly and that's exactly what uncharted is too it's like you think it's just this cool treasure hunter indiana jones type going in and wrecking ancient civilization and stealing artifacts but no it's like it is that but it's also like between these people especially him and elena like their love story is beautiful love it so good if you want a TLDR, I guess you could listen to our episode on that because it's a lot shorter I, than their video. Their video is like four hours long. I absolutely will. And there was another, I think it was a game. I can't remember. You said Iron Bull. Is it mm-hmm. Bull, B-U-L-L? B- yep. Yeah, Iron. the Iron Bull. He's a character in Dragon Age Inquisition. Got it, got it. Yeah, and the shirt I'm wearing now is for Solace. <laughs> my, oh, yeah. My beloved from Dragon Age Inquisition. That's a good romance it's actually one people cite because it's a chaste romance. There is no sex scene or implied sex. Cause even in games where there is romance, usually there's at least an implied sex scene, like right. a fade to black or something. Yeah. Like so straight up. Yep. Yes. Like in Hades. It's so, so it's like straight up doesn't have sex with you and he breaks up with you, but he's still one of the most popular romance choices out there for inquisition for so many reasons that I could get into, but that is not this show right now. <laughs> we'll get to him later this year, probably. So, oh, yeah, that's great. I have but then when we talk to you, we can hear back about what your thoughts are from your unique perspective and your educated perspective. My I would love to hear. Educated perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, yes, because you're not just like a fangirl at this point. You're a professional. You have a professional perspective on it. That so. is terrifying to think about. <laughs> it's also great. <laughs> um. If and let that be let that be a lesson to anyone. Like if I can be a professional, then like literally anyone can do that because I I am still very much like I don't know. I just see my myself on my my AO3 account. You know what I mean? Like it's anyway. 
Don't we all it. have an AO3 account? Yeah. Probably all of us have written on there too, if not just read. (laughs) Of course we have. Of course we have. Although mine is uh, long gone since I like deleted my account because I was too embarrassed of all the shit that I wrote in the past. So the one, the account that I use now is like has nothing attached to it. Yeah. I'm kind of sad about that. I wish I had kept it. (laughs) Me too. I used to write fan fiction on a website called Quizilla that no longer exists. It it started out as just a, a poll website but then you could write fanfic on there too and oh, i tried using the Wayback machine looked up titles yeah. of my fanfic. i couldn't find anything and i was yeah. like i'm so sad i remember i mean i was a teenager when i wrote those so they probably weren't that good but like i remember I, I, one of them was real popular and i was like i bet that was amazing i wish i could have that text but i, I don't have it anymore i had a, the exact same experience i wrote on a pokemon forum called pe2k pokemon elite 2000 and it's gone now and i also did the like wayback machine to be like i really want to see like are they still there like these are the things that i never showed anyone because i was terrified someone's gonna find out that i like pokemon meanwhile now i'm like pikachu in every corner i have a giant charmander stuffed animal on my bed still that i've had since i was six years old i got at costco and he will never i will be buried with him or cremated with him however i go out like <laughs> he will never leave my bed i love prerequisite that. for marrying me. my husband's totally fine with charmander yeah it's you I, your I, husband I loved... charmander now yeah yep love that he, he's used to it i love my charmander <laughs> well quickly where can people find you oh you can find me on pretty much any platform except facebook and instagram as square to mom so square and then the number two and then mom m-o-m yeah i'm on twitter i'm on mastodon which is like the leftist twitter co-host um tumblr you don't get to follow my tumblr because that's for me um (laughs) but yeah you can follow me on twitter and like you know other things as square to mom so thanks for listening thank you for coming (laughs) thank you guys for having me this has been so fun and i am i would love to come back later after the game is out and everything definitely Um, i will be playing it all right thanks again bye if you like what you're hearing please be sure to leave a review on itunes or give us a rating on spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts You can now find me in the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And, of course, in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. And come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash twogirlsoneship. Remember, type out the full link, because I create adult content. Oh, yes. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time, 7.30pm Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because we need at least one good thing on Monday. So, thanks for listening, and remember, beauty's in the eye of the controller.
Hello, Vault Dwellers. Join me, Jax's sassy lady Romer, Eric, and the creator, Maverick, as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.